the sideliners, the sideliners, the sideliners. Watch the sideliners on WIRE TV at 10:30. Here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really worry right now. Yeah. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really worry. Welcome to another rendition of the Sideliners Pod. Uh, this one is going to be very tough. Uh, it's 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 an emotional issue for a lot of Giants fans right now after dealing with the diabolical events that happened on Thursday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles. So fittingly, I, I just felt like I couldn't do this one alone. Uh, my good old pastime friend, ex-New Yorker, current Californian friend, uh, Lane Wyman re- actually reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'm looking forward to hearing what you got to say. And I was like, you know, I, th- I think I need your help. So, Lane, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Hanging would you, in would, would, yeah, everyone's hanging in there. It's, it's a crazy time. We were just kind of catching up on that just before the show. Um, yeah. Let me ask you something, though. Do you still, I mean, you've been in California for a while now, and before that, Texas. Do you still kind of, like, feel like you're a New Yorker? Do you still tell people you're a New Yorker, or do you kind of feel like that's a different part of your life at this point? Yeah, all the time. You know, New York still runs in my blood, so. um, So you're still watching all your Giant games? Very proud to be a New Yorker. I'm watching the Giants games here and there. Have you missed any this year? I have, yeah. They're they're kind of unwatchable to be honest. Right, so, right. I've really adopted the Saints uh, recently because of my time in New Orleans. That too, right? Um, so they're obviously way more fun to watch. Not that I'm a bandwagon fan because they've had their fair share of playoff travesties. Um, but oh, no one's accusing you of that whatsoever. You, if I feel if you've been around the city, been around the time, and the team is on television, you, 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 you shouldn't have to turn it off just because you're not. Of course. That original fan. Yeah, it when you see New Orleans. Yeah, and when you see that the Giants are in prime time against our division rivals, obviously it just kind of catches your eye because the Giants are coming off a division win. One, they were 1-5 and five going into the game, and the Eagles, uh, obviously they've been struggling. They were 2 they're well they're two four and one now right or you know they had that one tie so they were if the Giants had won they would have been in sole possession of second place because they would have had to head to head with the Eagles but my god man it was I just want to say we can break down the painful moments but that that was just a lousy football game by both teams this is not a good brand of football yeah I mean both teams are absolutely terrible Right. Let's just get that out there. Right. But I think that's arguably what makes it more painful is, like, like I look at it this way. Every Jets fan I know has emotionally removed themselves from what is happening to the Jets. They are thinking about Trevor Lawrence. They are thinking about drafts. They're thinking about coaches. They don't feel upset when they get shut out by the Miami Dolphins, you know? The, these Giants games, there are three of maybe four of them that you could argue were right there for the taking. And, and if you win half of them, we're looking at this season in a very different light. We're feeling good about the direction we're going. We're feeling like the franchise is finally being rectified. But instead, you know, you wake up to news, or I, I saw it last night, actually, that the Giants traded Marcus Golden 
uh, for, a, for a six round pick. And it's like, okay, so they're, they're already starting this quote unquote rebuild process. But if, but just for, just for a six round pick, like this guy, we had a whole holdout for his contract. He led our team in sacks last year. I think he had like 10, 10 and a half sacks last year. And just like that, gone. I mean, we have new players on our roster every week. No move should be made until they have a new general manager. Cause that's, that's what I was going to ask you. Because Our organization is a mess. <sighs> I mean, Gettleman has had some ups and downs. I, at this point, I obviously feel that they have to part ways Mostly with Mostly downs. Mostly downs. Um, I mean, he, he's, he, I felt strongly that he made some good moves in bringing in Blake Martinez and James Bradbury to our defense. I think those guys, they, they're ballers, and they're, they're showing the younger kids a thing or two about how to actually play in the NFL. Um, but he makes so many risky moves. And I was not opposed to trading Odell Beckham Jr., but that's obviously the big glaring move that he made. You got your Brill Peppers and Dexter Lawrence, and you were kind of able to draft Daniel Jones because you had that additional first-round pick from the Odell Beckham trade. But then you extend Leonard Williams. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's playing well, but I, I don't see how the Giants offer him a contract next year. I don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're paying him all this money for this year. After you traded, you gave up a, a two, I think it was two second-round picks for Leonard Williams. So these moves are all over the place. And the problem that I'm seeing in what we were talking about is Judge. Now, I love Joe Judge. I, I feel confident that he can be a good organizational leader and that he's saying all the right things he's, and that he's also doing all the right things. But you said to me the other day, and I want to, you know, elab- I want to hear your whole take on this was that he obviously needs to be blamed for some of the problems, especially when you have six or seven penalties in the fourth quarter, like we saw on Thursday. Exactly. It doesn't seem like he has a good hold on the rest of the coaching staff. Um, and they blew two divisional games that they should have easily won. That's inexcusable. And at least part of the blame needs to be placed on the head coach. I want to love him. He says all the right things. He's a right. cool guy. He's right. young. He's got the, this great energy. But there's, there's some sort of disconnect. The players obviously kind of suck. But Right. See, that's, that's where I'm at. The players, I mean, the games should have been won. I, I agree, but we still have the youngest roster in the NFL. And, that's true. But and, and when you have a young roster, you need abysmal. to learn how to close abysmal out games. Abysmal. abysmal. What's been abysmal? I know a lot, but I didn't hear what you said. These games they've blown. Yeah, I know. You, it's, you should win the game. You can be the worst team. And you should win the game. I I know. It's it's. Listen, the the three that's jumped out at me, um, or, or or the simple fact remains is that we should have won three straight division games. That absolutely, totally could have turned around the entire season. You could have started zero four and be three and four, and we'd be ecstatic. Not not. We know we're not winning the Super Bowl. Maybe you somehow sneak in with the division being crap, but to finally get the monkey off your back, I can't even remember the last time we beat Philadelphia or Dallas. I, it does not – I cannot think of it off the top of my head. See, wouldn't it? It would have been nice to see. It would have beaten both of them. 
But you could also turn around and say we could have lost to Washington because for no godforsaken reason, the, the, the Washington football team decided to go for two when the Giants' offense had nothing. Like, they had nothing in that game. They, they, the, the scoop and score by Tay Crowder was the game-winning play. So I have no idea what Ron Rivera was thinking. You tie that game, you just wait, you will get the ball. Like, obviously, the Giants' defense hung tough, and they were bend, don't break, and I, I was happy with how the defense played. But I, I don't know how you don't send that game to overtime. Now, obviously, if you get to, you look like a genius, but that's besides the point. But just basically on the other flip, we could easily be winless, and we could easily be looking at this completely differently depending on the ball bouncing a few other ways. Yeah, that's true. I guess we have one win. We have one win. And the, and the problem remains – to me, it's, it's been a consistent problem with the ownership trying to do the classy professional thing. John Mara is the son of a great owner. You know, obviously, well, and Wellington Mara had to learn how to become a great owner. He wasn't always a great owner. It took them 18 years to get back to, to dominance. Uh, to make, to even, it took them 18 years to make the playoffs. Uh, so in 1981, they made those playoffs. And Wellington Mara kind of established the Giants as, you know, being back in, in that franchise. They won Super Bowls in 86 and 90. And then, you know, obviously, they, you know, bringing in Tom Coughlin and, and Ernie Acorsi, those moves brought the Giants back again. The Giants always seem to kind of come and go until they get the right pieces that remember the foundation of what they are. So the, the big mistake, obviously, in the beginning – was when they, when they parted ways with Tom Coughlin and they hired Ben McAdoo, they still kept Jerry Reese. And then that didn't make any sense to me. Obviously, I don't like Ben McAdoo, but that's besides the point. They had this timing issue where they fired Jerry Reese the next year, uh, the same year they fired Ben McAdoo, and then Gettleman comes in, and Gettleman immediately hires Pat Shermer. So I was like, okay, we had a GM that hired his guy, and then the Giants fired Shermer just a year and a half later, and they decided to keep Gettleman. Mm-hmm. It just makes no sense. They, they, they're just extending the rebuilding process because now Gettleman's on the hot seat. He's going to be making aggressive moves, and now he's making trades like his job is on the line. And it is, but that's also not fair to whoever comes in next because you and I both know he's a sitting duck. Like, he's going to get fired. Uh, he's done. So – enough with this mirage of being a classy organization and just rip the band-aid off they did it with ben mcadoo and they did it too late i thought they, they ruined they like, ruined I heard of mcadoo i thought wow this is gonna be a fresh new chapter i can breathe right. easy there's right. gonna be someone confident at the helm but it's honestly been worse and they would have let McAdoo finish the entire year if he didn't publicly humiliate the franchise by ruining Eli Manning's streak for no reason, for literally no reason other than his own ego. Yeah. So that happened. Eli took the high road like he always did. And then that whole drama arguably made the Giants um, transition from Eli Manning even more difficult because they were embarrassed. They were upset. They wanted to – and he didn't deserve that. And he was always just doing his job the right way. But then they extended the guy in a year where they could have had, you know, I think $11 million in cap space just for him to be benched after two weeks for Daniel Jones. And I, I want to get your all-around take on Jones before I go further. What, what, what is your opinion on Jones? Daniel Jones is not good. You don't think he's the guy? He's not the future. 
that that 80 yard run and tumble was a perfect analogy perfect listen man analogy, dude. listen man i i don't let, let's let's maybe you're right i mean you're talking about it as an analogy but like that guy was motoring couldn't have been more poetic yeah i mean they scored on the drive though i know they scored somehow I was surprised. They scored. The second he tumbled, I just, I literally started praying to God. I was like, just please, for the love of God, finish this drive. Because I wasn't sure that Jones would have the emotional maturity to move on. Because if they didn't score, they had to settle for three. And he had to sit there knowing it was because he fell. Like, that would, that would be hard. Out of nowhere, this guy will do something great. And you'll be like, wow, he looks like he could be pretty good. And then yeah. he'll just tumble. He'll tumble. Literally, I mean, he did run 80 yards, man. We haven't had a quarterback that can do that know, in a very crazy. long time. I've never seen a giant quarterback do that, I'll tell you that. Right. You know, he's the second fastest quarterback behind Lamar Jackson in terms – I mean, I don't know if that's true because they haven't had, like, I foot races. Well, I wanted them to draft Lamar Jackson. So did my father. You guys can have a whole discussion uh, about that. They were actually very close to getting Barkley and I Jackson love, in the same draft. I love the Louisville Cardinals because one of my good college friends is from Louisville. So right. I kind of uh, always follow them, and I knew this guy would be great. Well, 31 teams passed on him. So it was uh, – and, and, and I do think he is great, but I also do think he still has to show that he has the spectacular throwing ability because his style is very difficult to play from behind. He's still a run-first quarterback. And let me tell you something. When he's running, it's, it's a beautiful, majestic thing. Like, he is an amazing – but I, I, it's, um, it's shown throughout history that that sort of style is not sustainable. And if he can learn, like a good example is Andre McNabb, to not have to be a run-first quarterback, uh, he can, he can do that. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, Andy Reid is is a great example of guys who he's able to take these athletes who have unbelievable running ability and get them to understand when they have to prioritize passing. And he's, and Mahomes is probably already on another level. I don't know how hard Andy Reid had to work with him, but I, it, I do think he does not get a lot of credit, but besides the point Jones. Yes. Um, I, I am still on the fence. I really can't decide one way or the other because I can't figure out if we're screwing him up or he's screwing us up. And I'm pretty convinced based on the, horrible moves the franchise has made that we're screwing him up like you take if you take a quarterback out of duke now let me tell you something i the first time i heard of daniel jones was the senior bowl i don't watch duke football who watches duke football nobody you know I so <laughs> yeah I, you know I, I it's it's just one of those things like everybody watches duke basketball nobody watches duke football yeah. so so the guy gets taken sixth overall out of duke now, to me, a guy like Jones, who had the speed and the tools and the, and the character, coming out of a school like that is a project. So I said, okay, great. He'll be behind Eli Manning. That's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, he can learn. And then they put him in two, in two weeks. And I, and I just think that was really stupid. I still do. I think that really screwed him up. I agree, and, but I also don't think he's, uh, you know – an amazing athlete. I think he's an underrated athlete. Obviously, the guy tripped over his own two feet, but he was his, running his 21 miles per hour. His lack of awareness is very telling. I, I really, 
I, I almost have never seen a quarterback with less awareness in the pocket. It's but crazy. Andrew Thomas has, has not been good at left tackle. He's, you know, I, I agree that he doesn't have that great awareness. And there are moments where you're like, ah, like he's going to, like, you see, like, you see the guy coming for him. He's looking downfield. If there should be uh, a Madden rating and awareness, it's Daniel oh, Jones. I mean, but, it is embarrassing. But I also think it's hard, man. He doesn't have a ton of weapons. Like, Darius Slayton, love the guy, but he's been pretty hit or miss this season. And Sterling Shepard only just came back. Tate, before Thursday night, had been nothing. They're already talking about trading him. Evan Ingram, I don't even want to look at him. I'm so disgusted with him because of that hideous, hideous drop. I mean, we are so determined to try and get Evan Ingram involved in the offense. He's never really material. We have a tight end who can't block and can't catch. And we're still so determined to get him involved. We have him at halfback sometimes. We'll hand it off to him. We'll just – and this, this is the shit that drives me nuts. I mean, this is the second offensive coordinator that Daniel Jones has had in Jason Garrett. I admit, I, I, I went on record saying I liked that hire. I did because I felt he was a reasonably successful head coach. As an offensive coordinator, that's probably an upgrade, you know? Yeah, I agree. But, but I have noticed that whenever the Giants' offense is having a good drive, like, and it seems like Garrett's in rhythm, and it's like, okay, we're running the football well. Okay, we're going to throw a slant. You know, okay, okay, we're moving. Like, like the Giants completed a beautiful 19-play drive uh, with a touchdown to Sterling Shepard, and I, I thought it was the best drive they'd had as an offense. But even within that drive, every, like, fifth or sixth play is just freaking stupid. Like, it's just, like, the dumbest shit. Like, they just be like, let's try a tight end reverse uh, and then maybe he'll flip it back. Like, they'll just try these insanely risky plays where if they are in a run-stopping mode, which half the time they are, you're giving them an opportunity to make, like, a seven- or eight-yard loss. And the second that happens, the drive is ruined. You think, because uh, sec- you think Jerry Jones slipped uh, Garrett a couple bills, you know, to sabotage the Giants? Um, I, I, I am all for believing Jerry Jones conspiracies, especially when it comes to officiating in Dallas. I believe it. Uh, I don't believe this one. I don't believe this one. Garrett, Garrett played for the Giants. Garrett, Garrett does have a history with the Giants. It's not, he he does like the Giants. And I'm like, that guy is a traitor. He's a cowboy, but this stuff happens all the time. Bill Parcells went to the Cowboys. Yeah. It's the nature of the game. Jason but Garrett's just like smarmy, though. I just I, I feel the vibe. So you don't. So you're anti Garrett as well. No, I thought it was a good hire, but just the way he's been running the offense has been very suspect. So you can't criticize Judge though for the problems the offense have had. He's letting Garrett handle that. He's letting Garrett do his job. Like he. This is the thing I like about Judge. We finally don't have a Sherma or McAdoo thinking they're the next Mike McCarthy or the next Doug Peterson. Like, there's too many, too many head coaches calling plays, okay? Andy Reid can call plays. He can do that. He has the right to do that. But there are a lot of coaches that I don't think should be calling plays. Even Sean Payton with New Orleans, sometimes I think it's an issue. Like, their offense is not what it used to be, and, and it, 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 can, it can allow a head coach to miss things. Yeah. Like, on defense or special teams, because he's so focused on Sean getting Payton the right play. Sometimes, but he usually gets it right, I have to say. He's, uh, he's who, Peyton? What's up? You said Peyton? Yeah, Sean Peyton. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a winner. I'm he not as bad as I trust yeah. every move that guy makes. I feel like he's a winner. He's, 
he's just he's a confident head coach that has had right. success. Right. And he knows how to run a team. But his confidence, you have to admit, at times can lead to arrogance. And I do think that has been contributing to some of their heartbreaking playoff losses, which you mentioned that a lot of them have happened. Yeah, you know, I, I can't put too much. I mean, some crazy things have happened in the playoffs of the Saints, right. unfortunately. Some really right. wild. I mean, that, that one, they should have won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And they played the Vikings right. and they, they, uh, they got hit with that Hail Mary, Stefan Diggs. That was, that was legitimately – you, you can't blame a head coach on a guy for getting to tackle somebody. Legitimately the worst, the worst attempt at a tackle in NFL history. And I never – you know, you, you're probably more in tune with it, and I don't want to get too off topic, but what, what was the explanation? Did he not want to get a flag? Did he not see the ball? Because I got the feeling that maybe he thought the ball had sailed over his head and he didn't want to get a roughing penalty, and, or, or did he just shit himself? Like, which is it? I don't think we ever got a resolution, but right. my opinion, it looked like he was just trying to avoid pass interference for whatever reason. Right. And I think the moment got to him, he was a, right. I think he might've been a rookie or second year. Um, right. And he just didn't want to be the reason they blew the game. And he ended up being the reason they blew the game. It was just, it was terrible. I actually was at a Saints bar for that Oof. game. The air got sucked out of the room. And right. then on top of that, to add insult to injury, I walk out into the street, and I got maced. Um, maced? I in, yes, I ran into a cloud of mace. I mean, just by walking. Someone was robbing one of those like trinket stores on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh my god! And the the store owner was kind of dumb and sprayed mace everywhere. Okay, and, but I just want to say, you didn't get maced. Somebody no, else got maced. You were really in the proximity for anything that I did, but it was just a. Uh, but I see what you did. Like you sucked me in, thinking that you got you had. Like I really believed. I was like, man, you must have been so mad. You must have got an altercation. I was already in a horrible mood. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> Drunk. I, I I thought maybe the Saints game was so bad. You're like, let's let's go. The let's go vandalize something. The roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. For that game. That was definitely one of the worst. Uh, worst games that I ever watched. Um, At this point, I would take a heartbreaking playoff loss any day for, yeah. for a giant season. It's just been so abysmal. That sucked. So, I'm sorry you got maced. I didn't know that happened to you. Uh, it looks like you fully recovered since yeah. that dreadful day where Stefan Diggs walked into the end zone. Um, but our Giants, I do want to break down the game. Because it's kind of like therapy. We can get through this together. Uh, we already hinted about a few things that happened. Jones had the long run. Evan Ingram had the horrible drop. But, okay, so it's 21-10 with 6-15 left. And you see that the Giants look like they're coming together. Sterling Shepard was showing me that he actually is a leadership presence on this team. Obviously, he's always had problems with injuries. But he was showing that he was making a difference by being on the field. And I, I saw him telling the team, like, I could read his lips. He was like, this shit is not over. Like, he's, he's, he's experienced – this guy has experienced a lot of losing in his Giants career. Like, he's experienced a lot of heartbreaking losses to the Eagles. He was pleading with the team to understand that this next five, six minutes is extremely important. And it was almost as if he scared them. And they and, – and so, so, so they're up 21 – 10 
and they give up the big play that there's that they just start having penalties galore and they give up like a 60 yard play and i believe this was the play after that bj hill had a sack that it got taken back because of a hands to the face and then that next play 60 yards bam right into it and then it's like the clock's not even a factor after that because you're you're they're so close they're able to take shots that they don't even have to worry about uh, there not being too much time. And Carson Wentz, he does this all the time. He's a fourth-quarter quarterback. I mean, you, you got to at least say that about him. And I'm not convinced he's the greatest, but I am convinced he at least has a more comeback swagger than anyone else in the division. Definitely. So they go down the field, they score, and now you know that we need at least a field goal. Because for some godforsaken reason, Doug Peterson goes for two to try and make it, I guess, uh, a three-point game. And it's not a horrible decision to go for two, but his play, I don't know what he's doing. Like, it was – there were two horribly called two-point conversion calls. Like, what was was that when we saw – who, who is that? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But they have, like, this wildcat number two guy that comes in for the Eagles. And every time he comes in, he's just running with it. Like, that's all that's happening. Carson Wentz is that wide receiver, and he's just running with it. And he tried to do that on the conversion. Yeah. The Gi- yes, thank you. The yeah. Giants just, just swarmed to him. Like, it was, like, not even a play. So now you're up 21-16. And they start going to the Wayne train. And I and I, I I was saying it. I was like, give it to him again. Give it to him again. This guy is fresh. This guy has been waiting for his opportunity. Uh-huh. He had a touchdown in the game. Devontae Freeman got injured. Lewis fumbled. And I was like, Wayne Gallman deserves the ball right now. Yeah. So they're moving the ball. And he's doing well. They get to midfield. Penalties. The penalties are just killer. And... You look at that throw, man. I mean, what, what, what was your immediate reaction when, when you saw Evan Ingram perfectly in stride, perfectly wide open, Daniel Jones read it perfectly, and, and arguably threw one of the best passes of the night? My reaction was, that's typical. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that was, that I was it. I, I actually Dude, I felt like I at that moment the game was lost. It was 21-10. A couple of my friends had bet on the Giants. Uh, like live betting, like the, like because of the score. Actually, before the game, and I was okay. like, you know, I honestly think that's a decent bet. They did cover they, the spread. Yeah, and the Eagles, in my opinion, are actually a worse team than the Giants. But um, I knew when it was twenty-one ten. I just got this feeling. I'm like, this is a game that this team will one hundred percent blow. Like it just like I I I. I didn't quite know for certain that they were going to piss it away until Evan Ingram dropped that pass. And the yeah. second he did, I looked at my dad. I was like, they're going to lose. I, I, was like, at my, <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at my father. I said, they're going to lose. Yep. And, he, and, he, and he was like, no, no. And it's like, I don't know if he didn't want to believe it. Or I don't know if he was trying to make me feel better. But I was like, this, you, you, you know, that's like a horrible sign. Yep. And yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter was so wacky it kind of like eradicated all the nonsense in the first half. I mean, there was literally a, a punt. And I just want to talk about this one too, where Riley Dixon uh, got sent out after judge kind of changed his mind. It looked like it was fourth and three giants considering going for it. And judge just kind of got pissed and he 
sent out the punt team. And when he did that, the Eagles got really confused. And they didn't even cover Corey Valentine, who has been an absolute disaster in every capacity. At corner, he's a disaster. On return, he's a disaster. And apparently, at gunner, he's a disaster. I didn't even know he could manage to screw that up. But he didn't even look down the field. He looked at the ball. And to the point where Riley Dixon, I felt bad for him because he's like, listen, I can throw this. Just look at me. But you can't just be like, hey, Corey. Because the second you do that, the Eagles actually recognize that they're not covering him. It's the second time in two weeks on a special teams play. uh, I'm sorry, three weeks because there was the Evan Ingram play that got called back against Dallas that the Giants could have had a, a touchdown on a special teams play. They just don't know how to play the game, dude. <laughs> so, but like, how do you, how do you blame? I mean, I guess you got to blame the coach for that, but you would it's think, fundamentals. You would think that a professional gunner in the NFL, I get it. You look at the ball for the snap. You want to make sure you don't go off sides. I get that. But you look at both. You look up and you say, who, who am I going to hit? Like he could, there could have been three guys on him about to club him and he would have had no idea because he was looking at the, just looking at the ball. Yeah, completely unaware. He could have I mean, turned around and caught a screen pass and walked for the first out. Or just like a quick out, anything. Um, that, that really frustrated me. That really frustrated yeah. me. It's a shame. So then you got the fourth quarter. It's the big, the big drive. It's 21-16. Uh, and the Eagles are driving at will. And they're literally like two yards away, or on, or on, they're on the goal line. They're inside the, the ten. I don't remember exactly what yard line. Where for whatever reason, Kelsey, because the, the thing that frustrates me the most is yes, we had a lot of stupid penalties, but so do they. They are equally stupid. Like they are, it, it was, it was. That's why the first thing I said was it was an incompetent football. Game. Kelsey, they're not, they're not a good team. They're not a. No, they're not a good team. And, and Kelsey, for whatever reason, just completely removed the face mask of B.J. Hill. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how a center yards away from the game-winning touchdown decides to remove. It wasn't just like he caught him on the chin and the helmet went flying off. It wasn't like he hit him on the side. He grabbed his face mask and ripped it off his head. Uh, and it was, I think it was Dalvin Tomlinson or B.J. Hill that he did that to. I believe it was Tomlinson. And I, and I remember thinking, wow, 15-yard penalty, that's huge. Maybe we can get a stop. Maybe it can happen. Yeah. Next, next play, literally the next play, we have Jabril Peppers running. I mean, it, 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 he got beat, but it's a bad matchup to have your safety running across field like that to cover the running back. It's, uh, Why yeah. are we in man with that, with that amount of room? I don't understand. Nothing they do makes sense. Nothing, Nothing they do makes sense. They could they could have blitzed in that scenario. And on the big play, I, uh, I I'm getting old. I don't even remember who caught it for the Eagles. But on that 60 yard play that kind of propelled the comeback, I'm pretty sure the Giants blitzed blitzed um, like two members of the secondary, which I normally I do like when they shake things up a little bit because they. They're a sit-and-read team, and with the second they send one or two more guys, it really surprises the offense, and they've been able to make some plays. Fackrell has uh, got a forced fumble against Washington doing that. Uh, Fackrell also even got the pick six against Dallas doing that. You know, they, they, 
they have been able to spice it up here and there. And I like how they don't do it every time. They are able to catch the offense off guard. But when you send two guys on the outside like that, when, when Carson Wentz is a right-handed quarterback and they, they, ha- they rushed him on the they, – they forced him to his right, which is his dominant side, and he just flushed out and threw to a wide-open guy. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. No. I can't do it, it really anymore, doesn't. man. I mean, so where do we go from here? Heartbreaking loss, one and six. We've traded Golden. It's funny because they could have been one game out of first place, and it would have at least been fun to watch some games. But I know, but 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 even but like the truth, the, the harsh truth is, is even though we've been robbed of that fun, it would have been nice. Uh, this team has to think about next year. They really do, and they they only have five draft picks now. They have six, I think, because they just traded Golden. Um, but the Leonard Williams trade is affecting them this year. So I think Gettleman or whoever ends up being the GM is going to have to be put in a position where they have a good draft. I mean, it's, there's no other way to say it. Judge, whether you like him or not, man, he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Do you, I mean, or do you, yeah, do you see them maybe I, making I, I think judge, judge deserves a chance. But if they go 1-15, in 15, uh, Joe Judge, is the, quarter, uh, Joe judge is the coach next year. He's a, he's, a, he's a rookie coach, rookie head coach. So I would say he deserves at least a year or two to figure his shit out. Um, yeah. Figure everything out. The um, last two quarterbacks, the last two, last two coaches we've had, they, they only lasted two years. Yeah. So give him a chance, but um, they kind of need a clean slate with the roster. They need a new quarterback, in my opinion. The offensive line is not that great. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to give up on Jones. I mean, unless they are somehow in some godforsaken situation where they're staring at Trevor Lawrence in the face, which I don't please. think is happening. I don't please. think is happening. The Jets, but, they, but it's, it's not going to happen. The Jets are already deci- The Jets have already decided that they are going to secede this so year. Painful. The How Jets painful may go 0 16. Trevor Lawrence. To watch Trevor Lawrence dominate with the New York Jets, and we'll have little. What makes you think Trevor Lawrence is going to dominate with the New York Jets? Just getting stacked in the pocket, just fumbling left and right. Well, well, now you're spiraling. It's a nightmare. You're spiraling. I know you have a harsher hatred for the Jets than most Giants fans. I don't really. I've come to. You um, hated the Jets growing up. I remember that. Yeah, growing up, I definitely didn't like them I've matured a little bit and I've come to a point where you know I can I can respect the struggle of the Jets especially being a Mets fan the more the more the Mets suck the more you you emphasize I understand understand this side I almost I almost root for them at times because um they are I get what you're saying I get what you're saying so but to see what could be a generational quarterback leading the way to victory for the New York Jets while we are bumbling with this inept Literally, literally stumbling. Bumbling and stumbling <laughs> with Daniel Jones. It's just going to be a nightmare. I'm telling you, it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, I don't know. But you, you, the, the, I try and be objective, okay? And I, I hate how we did it. I hated how we did Jones's rookie year. We forced Eli out too quickly. I know a lot of people were done with Eli. I know we weren't winning with Eli towards the end of his career, but 
I, I think it's clear, especially now, that even, you know, when we were going six and 10, I mean, we were a shit team and we were winning six games because you had a guy like Eli Manning who knew what he was doing, you know? So you move on from Eli in a bad way. You force Jones in and Jones wins this epic game in his first ever start. And he's never come close to that moment of excitement. Yeah. Since, since, since week three of his rookie year last year. Been a lot of growing pains. Uh, I don't, I don't like um, how he beats himself up. You know, I see Joe, you know, Jones look, I actually really did feel bad for him when he fell. We've all fallen down. Okay. Quarterbacks are not supposed to run. 80 yards, okay? It, it, it's, it, it was a surprise. He literally was like, oh, my God, I'm going to score. I'm like, God, I'm going to score. Oh, my God. Like, he, you, you saw it on his face. Like, he was like, ah! Like, he just, like, he didn't even – he could have actually slowed down and still scored. But he was trying to run as fast as humanly possible. I respect and, it. And I respect that. Exactly. And he finished the drive. I respect And he's a good that. kid. And he's a good but kid. So I, I believe fully that we're screwing him up. I'd rather have I, a bad kid that can win, honestly. Like, oh, my God. But, but then there are cases like Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill had Adam Gase as his first coach, okay? The jury was out. Tannehill, Tannehill was talked about similarly as we're talking about with, with Jones. Like, he, he didn't see the whole game. He couldn't figure it out. He was a you know, mediocre quarterback at best. Like, that, that was what was being said about him. And he got, I think, four years or maybe more in, in Miami to – have that reputation the second he leaves you give him a bull back like derrick henry you give him a monster receiver like aj brown you give him a sick defense like jones is a piece and i believe he's capable of being a piece one day in his career where you can you can win with him without necessarily him being this premier quarterback that that gettleman tried to look like a wizard and pull this kid from duke and he thought yes. this was going to be a superstar. And he was right. going to shock the NFL. But that doesn't mean what? we should hate on the kid. Everyone booed on draft night. It seems like it was warranted. because. But that doesn't mean we should hate on the kid. The kid's a good kid. I just want to make He's that a good clear. kid. He's a good backup quarterback in the NFL. That's what he is. I don't know. I don't know. I think it, he, he has – he's only played 17 games, right? Or, like, like he missed – like, he, no, he I started week – good. Yeah. He's just not. Who, but, but objectively, when you have when you when arguably your best weapon is a tight end who can't block or catch, like what what are we talking about? It's true, here? he does not have any weapons. Yes, and Andrew Thomas, out of all the O linemen that have been picked in the draft in the first round, he has looked worst. We actually put in Matt Pert, who is it? Who is an O lineman? We took out a UConn, and he played for Thomas in the Washington game early because Thomas missed a meeting and judge gave him a, a, a benching. He didn't say it publicly. This is, these are the things I like about judge holds his players accountable without humiliating them publicly. He didn't tell anybody why he just made him. He just punished he's him. And the only old, reason we found, old. the only reason we found out is because Thomas came clean about it. Yeah. He's so, old. Well, he's by the books. He's right. He definitely but, does all the right things, which but he's young enough to be a player's guy. Yeah, he's he has all the makings of being a great coach, which is why I want to see them continue to grow with him. But this year has been a train wreck, and they've blown a couple of games that 
were shoe-ins. Um, so if you can figure out – so if, if Judge can get this team to four or five wins, like if he can do that, I will, I will feel good about him in the future because this team has to learn how to win football games. And we still get to play the division, everybody else, three more times. Uh, we, we have three more division games to play. Not only does the team need to learn how to win, but, yeah, Joe Judge needs to learn how to win football games, the head coach. And I think Garrett needs to learn how to, to loosen the chains on Daniel Jones a little bit. Obviously, the kid's not fully seeing the game yet, but they're kind of giving him a short leash. Like, mm-hmm. like, why? Like, when he lines up and the play is a stupid reverse call – and you see eight guys in the box on a because because he runs these reverses on running downs, and when you do that, there's a chance they're in a run stop, and when yeah. they're in a run stop, they're going to be glad you try to reverse. <laughs> it's not going to be like something that surprises them. So if Judge, uh, so if uh, Jones sees that, why can't he just say, "Kill it, kill, kill, kill"? Like I've, quarterbacks do that. I've never seen. I've never seen the Giants give Jones the uh, the chance to do that obviously he's got to learn it maybe they're not comfortable with him calling audibles of that significance yet but why can't we just run something he's really good at like slants all the time he throws a great slant he's a very vanilla quarterback it doesn't we don't have to have these crazy trick plays we really don't i think running the football and slants and hitches and and the occasional waggle to his right is all we need to do. They are complicating it for him, for sure. Now, that, now I was listening to, to Joe and Evan a bit in the car yesterday, and they uh, were, were talking they, – they got in this whole tangent about the offensive line. And I want to talk about that a little bit before we, we end our Giants' uh, misery. But the offensive line with the New York football Giants has been the root, the fundamental root of the franchise's broken issue for I guess years now I I would say probably this might sound harsh since Chris Snee retired like they have not had that Giants football offensive line that smash mouth offensive line that pocket that you can't touch a quarterback in in a very very long time they had one of the best ever in 2008 their offensive line had two those O-lines were amazing and they were the reason right were a huge reason but they have tried to fix it it's not like it's an issue that went ignored it went ignored for a long time with jerry reese but then eventually he was like oh my god we gotta do something here so they had justin Pugh, Mm -hmm. weston richburg they signed nate soldier they drafted eric flowers and then this year they drafted three offensive linemen just the name eric flowers just sends and guess what he's playing guard now for the dolphins and he's fine he's just not a tackle he's he's oh man that was a really bad pick so Thomas, we all applaud the pick, you know, big SEC school, true yeah. left tackle. I wasn't upset with that pick. I didn't see that pick and go, damn it. I said, good, right? We all did. And he's not playing well. But I'm not saying he can't figure it out either. I want to see more of the guys we drafted. I want to see more of Pert. There's no reason for Pert not to play. Like if, if Thomas continues to struggle, just put him at right tackle for Fleming and put in Pert at left because Pert showed us he could play left in the yeah. Washington game. And you still got Shane Lemieux, the, the guard that they took out of Oregon, who for some time, for some reason, we have a fullback on, on occasion, which I, it, it, we, we, it's not like before where if one offensive lineman goes down, we're putting in Bobby Hart and we're shitting ourselves. We have 
some names. We have some kids that need to play. And, and I hope to see that before the end of the year. Yeah, they might as well experiment a little bit. If you're gonna experiment. Be, you're going to be one in six and not able to win anyway. Just experiment. I get that you don't want to muck with Jones's consistency. Like, I, I, I agree with the term experiment a little bit because you don't want to have Jones have a new lineup every week and, and continue to get uneasy in that pocket because he needs to trust that pocket. Uh, the big play in the Dallas game, that was on Thomas. You know, the, that strip fumble. The, the fumble at the end of the game against the Eagles. Obviously, they still had 45 seconds. You got to at least throw it up. You got to at least – I would rather throw an interception than have a fumble on the ground. His, his lack of awareness there was just – But it was also a whiff. On a, on, a, on a situation where they're, the they're he's gotta, no, he's got to throw it away, throw it away, just but, throw it away. He's got to know it's happening. He has no idea what's going on. How 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 is the pocket collapsing that quickly on a prevent defense type situation where they're only sending four guys and we had maybe six blocking? That's a good question. It's just a bad team. So it's a bad all around team. So I have a hard time judging. I have a hard time judging Judge, and I have a hard time judging Jones. I really do. I want to give them better context. But if we continue to lose, they might not get that context. Like I said, Gentlemen, I want to I want, love Daniel Jones. I'm sure he's a great guy. Like, I'm sure he's a great person to hang around. But uh, I'm still I, on the fence. I'm still I on the fence. I, have, I would love to just see that. one effing two-minute win, just one, where he kind of just grabs the offense behind the balls and, and takes them down the field. Because even when Eli Manning was at his worst, and there were some moments where you have to admit yourself were very critical and thought that he was not going to be as good as his brother, and, and a lot of Giants fans felt that way. It wasn't just you. But you have to admit there were still those moments where Eli could do a two-minute drill after looking like shit for three quarters. Eli, that, has, Eli has the clutch gene. And, and no, that, no, to me, is the, it's the most important gene in football. Carson Wentz looked like Carson shit, Wentz but he's got the clutch not gene. not that great of a quarterback, but boy, is he clutch. Exactly. Turn it on. And I hope he's having a good recovery. I hope he's having a good recovery, but I felt the same way about Dak Prescott. I was never impressed with his throwing. I was never impressed of him being like this, this sick, sick quarterback. But then when the moments were the biggest, he showed up and he, and he made the biggest throws. So you talk about clutch gene, that, that's, that's another name that comes to mind. Dak is definitely the most likable player on a rival team I've ever encountered. I love that. Yeah, guy. I felt really bad when he got hurt. That was tough. Yeah, he's, was tough. he's a good it was just, It was just a freak thing. It was an, it was an accident by Ryan. Yeah, he'll so, be back. So let's end this on a positive note. Uh, the Cali kid obviously still loves the Mets more than anything. And I think it's fair to say the Mets were your favorite New York team. Out of all the New York teams that we love. I'm hard Mets, always. Steve Cohen officially has gotten owner approval to own uh, – the, the other owners have voted uh, him in, and he's going to be the owner of the New York Mets, making him the richest owner by far. We're rich. We're rich. We're so, rich. So, okay, I, I get that Mets fans always hated the Wilpons for being cheap bastards. And for being a part of money laundering Coupons. schemes, the Will Ponzi's, the, 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 the coupons, as some people called them, you know, they were very cheap. But I, I am a little hesitant. Like, we, we don't know who this guy is, man. We have no idea. I don't care. I am so excited for some sort don't of – Don't do that. I'm warning you. Don't do that. Competent ownership. I, I, okay. I would love competent ownership. I would love – 
potentially the right players. I would love to make an offer to Trevor Bauer and, and get this pitching oh, where it needs get, to we're be. We're getting Trevor Bauer. Don't worry. <laughs> Dude, if we get Trevor Bauer, it's, it's going to be oh, like – it, but but the amount of like media buzz around the Mets because he's such a personality. Yeah, I love Trevor Bauer. He he doesn't shut up though. He will send some tweets that rub people the wrong way, and I like it. But I think it's uh it, it could be tough in New York. That's the only thing I worry about with. Yeah, Bauer. yeah. He's he's a he's a character, and I think every good team needs a couple of those. Right. So. I mean, we have a good character. I mean, Dom Smith and Pete Alonzo, are, are, they seem like two of the nicest guys in the world. Uh, and, and, I, and I think they're, they're going to look to sign Conforto. That's got to be the first thing Cohen does, right? Sign Conforto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe things will be looking right. Because if, if the Mets had actually swept the Nationals in the last three games, they would have made one of the wild cards in this very odd year. Now – Louis Rojas, do do we even care if he's here or not? I, I don't I don't really have a great opinion uh, on Rojas because it was such a weird year to be a first year manager. But new owner could mean a new manager, could mean just a new chapter. I think uh, let's give Rojas another chance. I mean, let's see, let's get some nice free agency signings with this newfound money, and you know, first things first, got to fix the pitching. Goes. We gotta fix the pitching. We can't keep wasting Degrom every yeah. year because, so, uh, like, we got to a point where Degrom was our only reliable starting pitcher in the entire rotation. We still can't win for him for whatever reason. It's crazy. Uh, I've, I know it, it is kind of wild that he has so few wins with that ERA. And he was close to winning his third straight Cy Young this year. Like he was in the conversation. If he didn't have that issue with his hamstring towards the end of the year, he might have. He might have even won. He's been again. the best pitcher in baseball the last three or four years for sure. So. Easily, easily. So if you add a guy like Trevor Bauer, and you make him, you know, your your second starter, uh, I I think you're going to see more wins for Degrom, because I think the reason for the non-winning for Degrom is I just feel like there's this psychological pressure, yeah, that the team feels like they know they're in the presence of a legend. And and they start buckling their knees when they're at the bat. And typically, when Degrom is pitching, you're going up against another ace in their in in their staff. So towards the end of the year, they 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 started to nip that a little bit. They got some games for him where they where they got some runs. But it's it's one of the most mind blowing stats that last year he won the Cy Young with with just ten wins because mm-hmm. they couldn't get him any win. Yeah. Uh, I just the I just want to make sure my stance on Cohen is clear. I'm happy they got a new owner. I'm happy the possibility of money to be spent is there, and I am excited for us to be. I mean, I don't want to say like the Yankees, but like the Yankees, like just saying enough. We're not going to take this bullshit. We're going to sign the players that need to be signed. We're not that worried about the luxury tax, and and we are going to take chances. But when you do that, you know, even the Yankee way at times can be risky. And the contracts can backfire. Now, we the, the several guys we did – Yoenis Cespedes is a great example of a guy that we demanded they pay, and they did pay, and nothing happened. Jed Lowry I thought was a good signing and never even got a hit. It, it, it never even got to, like, you know, get yeah. that opportunity. That was so, a, to be horrible. So, so yeah, like the, the, those are instances where it looked like we had good contracts, good deals – and it just doesn't work out. So I hope 
for the love of God, we don't get locked into some crazy contract. Like we already have with Cano, even though Cano had a decent year, like these, that contract's going to be tough for the Mets to work with for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the other side of the coin. But who I'm, is Steve Cohen? Who I'm is much, he really? He's a rich dude who's going to make the Mets winners. Um, I was really, trying to understand how he got so rich, and I have to admit, I was struggling to understand it. Like he seems I don't like think obviously his background that much, to be honest. Start uh, reading because this, I will. Like, the, I will. there have been. I, I'm trying to figure it out as well. We maybe get to the bottom of it, but yeah. um, like this is this this would be. This would be his um, Wikipedia page, and to me, it's hard to it's it's hard to understand. Steve Cohen, Wikipedia. He sounds like a, a fine Jew. He is. He's also a, a Trump supporter. Well, we don't like that. Well, I, I'm willing to overlook it if it means we can get Trevor Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, hey. so first sentence. I'm already confused. This is an American billionaire hedge fund manager. He's the founder of Hedge Fund Point Seventy Two Asset Management and now closed SEC Capital Advisors, both based in Stanford. He's like a hedge fund guy. He's a he's an investor. That that to me is like it, to me it's like shady. It's like shady. Okay, Met, I know why Elon Musk is super wealthy. I know why Jeff Bezos is super wealthy. I know what they've done for society. What has this guy done for society? He's made money such for a, other people. He's made money for himself and other people. That's what he's done for a living. He's so he might be a piece of hot garbage. I hope he's not. not. He's probably not the greatest person in the world. I, mean, I know why Mark Cuban is rich. You know, like like there there are there are okay. better owners out there. That you know maybe would be good personality. That Listen, I don't know. He has Fifteen billion dollars. To be honest, yeah. I'm and not. Got, and Omar Minaya is going to have power to make decisions, and he he Which liked to spend. He did. We love, we love Omar. We love Omar. <laughs> he that was, for me that was might be time to get rid of. Brody. I never had the Mets fan was when Omar Minaya yeah. was at the helm. When he we when we got Carlos Beltran, Carlos Delgado, that was it. That was big. We had Pedro right Martinez. We had yep. all these guys. Johan Santana. I mean, Heartbreaking <laughs> end to a lovable team. They were so lovable. Yeah, man. Um, but so let's let's just pray that it works out with Cohen, and let's just pray that the Knicks don't colossally screw things up. But I think they might. I really do. The Knicks. I don't even want to get into the Knicks. We don't have to, but uh, rumor has it. Uh, uh, Max actually told me this because he's 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 a redditor. He gets he gets things faster. I I've concluded. I, I I'm on Twitter. I think Reddit is faster than Twitter. I don't actually type on Reddit, but I will look things up on Reddit when I want to know something very quickly. I agree with that. I think and Reddit Reddit also provides like the way the most relevant comments come to the top. They get voted. That that that's essential because you're able to see like both like if there's a debate, it's a great place to read a debate because you get the most respected comments from both sides at the top, and you get a certain love, sense of objectivity. I love true crime documentaries, and so I, immediately after finishing one of those, I, I hop on Reddit and look up the conspiracy theories, and it's just there you go, so much fun. It could be like a rabbit hole. It could be like a rabbit hole situation. But anyway, Max on Reddit is, is finding rumors that the Knicks are seriously interested in, in trading for Russell Westbrook. Now, obviously, the Knicks have made horrible overtrades for stars in the past. I'm sorry? I haven't heard this one. 
Westbrook's definitely more exciting to me than Chris Paul. Chris Paul was the one you probably heard, and Chris Paul was the one that probably made you throw up because it's like eight years too late. Yeah. Um, but Westbrook, I just for some reason, I saw him in my mind, like walking into the garden with those ridiculous clothes he wears, and he runs into Clyde, and he gives Clyde a fist bump, and Clyde's got like the crazy suit. Like it would be a cool New York thing if yes. Westbrook ended up in New York. And, and, and Westbrook's best games – like he lights up the guard all the time. He's so perfect. he's perfect for the Knicks. Yeah, it'd be fun, but he's in a difficult. I mean, it's it's a difficult trade to make. So I would trade the whole team for him. No, man, you can't do that. You got like there there are there are three guys on this team that you can't trade, and I'll tell you right who they are: They're Frank Milikina, Mitchell Robinson, uh, and R.J. Barrett. And guess what? If you want to start, those are the three players that people are going to want. There's no one else on this roster. That I would going to trade. Want. I would trade R.J. Barrett. I would actually trade all three for Westbrook. <laughs> no, you can't do I, that. I would, I would legitimately do that. He would. There would be no one on the team. You really want Westbrook passing it to Julius Randle? Coming and it'll free up some cap space potentially. So, well, hopefully, you, you. The only way that trade works is if is if Westbrook has like some sort of fraternity of of supporters that somehow find their way uh, to the Knicks. potentially does. They did it with Melo, and it killed them. Obviously, they were a playoff team, but I want to win a championship lane. I don't want to just be a playoff team. And over-trading for a star. Are we going to win a championship, like, in the next three years with R.J. Barrett and whoever this next draft pick is going to be, number eight pick or whatever? No, but I believe that if you build around those guys, you become enticing enough to warrant the stars who are literally going to be in their prime, like the Greek freak in 2021. That's my dream. My dream is for the Greek freak to come to Astoria, Queens, get some home cooking Greek food. and, get, and He's taking and his talents to South Beach. That, that would I mean, we've been, we've been down this road before. That's so. like LeBron. I know. Okay, so. fair. I, I, I don't want to get too excited. No but I like my young play. kids. I like my young Knicks. I know they stink, but I want. I, it's nice to have homegrown New York products yeah, least, that are proud to be Knicks. They're somewhat fun to watch. You know, they, I think Mitchell Robinson has a hell of a lot of potential. And yeah. Frank Nilakina's defense is one of the most underrated aspects of, his, uh, of, of the Knicks, I would say. And R.J. Barrett, he only played one year, but there were some games where he caught fire, and you, you saw that potential 20-point-per-game start. R.J. is going to be a good – second player on a team he's not going to be the star okay okay but he's going to be a very good second guy i actually think there's a legitimate chance he might turn out better than zion not because zion has less skill but because i don't know if zion will hold up zion will hold up health wise you think he will mark my words i mean the guy the guy the guy's breaking sneakers with his feet like he's he's a freak in nature they can't even find shoes for him this guy's incredible Oh, I, 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 I'm a fan, but um, the sad thing is he actually wanted to come to the Knicks. He wanted it. just didn't happen. It, it was never in the cards. Never in the cards. But watch, they'll do something crazy on draft night. They'll trade up for LaMelo Ball, and we're going to have this LeVar Ball idiot at the Garden sitting next to Spike Lee or maybe, maybe when fans would, are allowed to. I would 100% enjoy LaMelo Ball on the Knicks. I think it would be so much fun. I think it would be a disaster. <laughs> I, I think I think it'd be like um No, it 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 could be it could be really enjoyable. But but what is so special about Lonzo Ball? I mean what is so special about this ball oh, family? Lonzo's better than Lonzo Ball. According according to Lavar. Have you watched who, who, them play have you have you watched them play in the backyard together? 
I, I, that's, that's my point. We're all, we're hyping up this family because they're like a Kardashian family. LaMelo takes Lonzo to school on the street court. I've also seen LaMelo shoot his three balls and he holds it like below his waist. They say his shot's broken, but I, I just think that's Dude, it's a very blockable shot is all I'm saying. He doesn't, he doesn't check, protect the ball. I'm a, I'm a LaMelo fan. Uh, if if we end up with Lamelo and Carmelo and we're just mellowed out again with the Knicks, uh, I don't I don't know if I can handle it because that was a legitimate rumor as well that if Lamelo comes, they might get Carmelo, and we might just be a marshmallow bunch. I don't know. <laughs> that would be something, honestly. There it would certainly be a golden opportunity for sports it'd be a writers, right? Yeah, it'd be like mellow to mellow, mellowed out. <laughs> just, just, can you can you imagine the announcers or the sports writing with all that mellow? But uh, but you're you're doing well. You uh, you said you're having a, a movie night, an outdoor movie night, uh, over in Cali, and you should enjoy that California sunshine, man, because we're starting to we we're in that time of year where you got to check the weather when you wake up. You don't really know what it's gonna be. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite time of year, minus my allergies. But pretty soon it's it's gonna get dark and, and gray. It's going to be real dark. I mean, it gets dark here too, but it's not New York dark. That, well, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Enjoy, enjoy your weather, my friend, and enjoy your California lifestyle. Everything is, is going well for you? Everything's fantastic. No complaints here. So now we, now we just need uh, this pandemic to end, and we can plan our next journey. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get uh, back out in California. I actually went to – we tried to hook up when I was in San Diego – and I want to go back there. I, I really love San Diego. San Diego is one of the most beautiful cities in the country, for sure. Really I, 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 I went, I've been to L.A. and San Diego. There are other cities in California I'd also like to explore. But I, I just felt like San Diego was like this place where like everybody just decided to go there just to get away from all the other BS. And everybody was beautiful. There wasn't a single like fat person that I ran into. <laughs> Uh, food was great. Food was great. Obviously it wasn't, you know, pizza and bagels, but it was sushi and Mexican. Mexican's incredible. And, and I had both and I, and I enjoyed it, man. Yeah. I went to Coronado. I really liked it there. Coronado's great. Yeah. There's a lot of beautiful parts. uh, And, and, and eventually we, uh, we can, we can do this Tijuana thing because apparently that's like the place, the thing to do to get like the best taco in the world. Yeah. We could definitely cross the border, head down there. Um, but, you know, if the Mets win the World Series next year. I know. Tattoos. So I know what I – so for those that don't know, I, I made an agreement with Lane. When? When was this agreement? What year? Three years ago? Four years ago? I don't even know. Maybe five years ago. Maybe so Lane, Lane, Lane is tattooed. Lane likes tattoos. So mm-hmm. I've never gotten a tattoo. I've never really had an emphatic desire for a tattoo. But, but the idea of the Mets winning the World Series – I already know for a fact that the place would go crazy. And, and the deal was that if the Mets win the World Series, Lane is coming back to New York and we are going to the parade. And if he does that, I will get a Mets tattoo. Um, but there, I, I, I'm still, I'm not, I haven't denied that. That is still the agreement. But I do want to ask you a question. Yeah. Is there an age limit on this? An age limit? No. Yeah. There's not. There's not. But what if, but, but dude, you've got to at what? least consider how skin changes. 
And if we're like 75, 80 year olds and I'm saggy and fat and I got to get a tattoo, I mean, good God, man. We click on it. I, so, I, I know, I know. I'm not trying to get out of it. I'm just trying to understand if there's a cap. Like, there's, like, there's like no right cap. now we got, we got nice, young, healthy skin, but we're almost 30, man. 95 years old on your deathbed. And if the Mets win the World Series. <laughs> you got to get tattooed? You're going to get tattooed. What if, I, what if I need to donate blood? Did you know you, you can't get, you can't, because there's actually a rule that if you're donating blood and you recently got a tattoo, you can't do that because of the needles. It's silly. It's a silly All law. Right, well, then, it might be a New York law. I don't if know it it looks like the Mets are going to win the World Series, then don't donate blood. I, I, I'll, just to get out of it, I'll immediately go do, donate no, a pint of blood. You can't do that. Okay, Listen, okay. Tattoos are very painful, but okay. getting those tattoos will be one of the greatest so, feelings in the world. I'm telling you. It's, how it's painful? Winning the World Series. I don't, I'm, now, you, now you're scaring me. I don't want pain. Who wants pain? No one wants pain. But, but you got a lot of tattoos. I almost feel like you like the pain a little bit. Like it's like a part of you. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but that, but they did. But it's not just you. Like I, it, they, they say it's an addiction. Like it's, you know, what, I'm nervous. I get one Mets tattoo. The next thing I know, I got a sleeve of sports shit all over me, and I'm just gonna the, look like a biker. Just Mr. Met, like killing the Philly fanatic on your arm. Uh, you know, that's funny. We didn't even consider. I thought it would just be a Mets logo, but if you bring in the subject of like Mr. Met like knocking out Philly fanatic, now now we're talking. Like we can it's get pretty cool. cool. It's a pretty cool idea, right? Um, I'm no, I'm thinking just like a Mets logo, maybe Mr. Met, with, or with the ba- or just maybe like a pennant banner with the year, you know, like something. That like could be that. cool. That's true. Okay, okay, so I'll I'll do it, but you got to hold up your end of the deal. If you don't come for the parade, I'm not getting the tattoo. I promise you, I'm 100% coming to New York if the Mets win the World Series. So even if we're 75 to 80-year-old knees buckling, or it turns out Steve – like, what if it turns out Steve Cohen is a criminal and he's sabotaged the Mets and they don't win for another 30 years? We're still doing this, you know, approaching we're our 60s? We're still doing it. And I will not get any Mets-themed tattoos until they win the World Series. You know, in that case, I really hope they win sooner rather than later because I don't think I want a tattoo when my skin is decaying. <laughs> I think I want it in my skin prime. You know, so maybe maybe, maybe you'll, you'll be curious and you'll want one. Maybe. And I, I think if I do get one, it would probably be the stereotypical upper arm, shoulder, you know, right, right, uh, that's right a good where idea. it needs to be. I think that's a good idea. I mean, I, 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 you, you, you're going to have to get creative. Where do you think I, yours I, would I'm go? Running, I'm running out of space. <laughs> Just get one on your forehead by the end of it. Wow. Um, my back is pretty open. Like yeah, I said. the back. The back's good. Back's good. Upper back. Um, and I do have a. I have one shoulder available. So. Oh yeah. So that that's your Mets arm. I can save like, that stuff. It's like Swaggy P has a whole arm that's like not tattooed just for buckets. You got a whole shoulder not tattooed just for the Mets <laughs> to win the World Series. <laughs> I'm just waiting. <laughs> All right, man. This was fun. Uh, I'm glad you helped me get through the. The, the disgusting Giants game. I couldn't talk about it the day after. I needed a whole. I needed two day. No, I really wanted break. to see what you thought and you know how you were doing. You know, going I, forward, I hope the Giants uh, show me that they're going to rebuild the regime correctly, and that starts with making it clear what they're doing. I think it comes down to Mara. Like, like everybody knows in Giants world, they're keeping Judge and get it rid of Gettleman. So just do it. Just do it. Or get rid of it. Gettleman right now. Uh, maybe have some interim manager. You don't have to hire your guy right away. What are they waiting for? 
well, the challenge is if you keep Judge, you got to bring in a GM that that wants Judge, and that and the the, the frustrating part is that limits your opportunity because most of the time GMs want to bring in a coach. Yeah, but there, it, it's still a general manager job for uh, you know at least what used to be a respected franchise. I want I want Lewis Riddick. The Giants almost hired him. Uh, I know he's an ESPN announcer right now, but he used to be a scout. And he is the one guy, literally the one guy on that ESPN Monday Night Football announcement crew that I actually like hearing what he says, and I like his analysis. Everybody else is dope. No offense <laughs> to no offense to Levi, Levy and uh, and Greasy or whoever the hell those guys are, but um, sorry, I'm trying to be mean. Just saying, I want Riddick. That's the guy I'd want. I think he'd be good. He'd be good for the team. Definitely, I agree. Uh, all right, man. You be well. Enjoy your movies. I'm gonna go. Uh, Gonna go rummage through my fridge upstairs, see what's going on for dinner, maybe, and uh, enjoy it, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the Sideliners Pod. If uh, more New York sports stuff happens, you get that itch, you just let me know. All right? Of course, sounds great. Let's do it again soon. Thank you, man. Take it easy. All right, brother. All right, later, dog. The Sideliners are brought to you by Anchor FM podcasting if you're interested in podcasting or you just want to get something out there and you have creative limitations or you're worried about money or anything like that fear not because anchor allows you or anybody with the simplest of computers the simplest of recording tactics to get your podcasts on the air and guess what you even had a chance at making a little money so please utilize anchor and thanks for listening